Come Holy Spirit, continue to entrust ourselves to your infinite mercy and give you permission to do whatever you desire to do. Pray that you would make our minds and hearts and our souls fertile soil that you speak of in the gospel, that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate the scriptures for us, convict, console our hearts. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I'm sure you, you've heard this past Thursday that our diocese released the names and the, of the history of all credible allegations against priests uh, in our diocese and even before we were formed a little bit back um, when it was the Archdiocese of New Orleans, we were still there. I want to address that today by reading a portion of Bishop Duca's um, press conference and then offer some comments after that. This is again from Bishop Duca at the press conference. He says, today I have the sad and profoundly humbling task of publishing the names of all priests, and in our case, a bishop and one seminarian, against whom there are credible allegations of sexual abuse of minors and are vulnerable adults in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. This list is based on the review of all 1,033 clergy personnel files of the Diocese of Baton Rouge from its formation in 1961 to the present. And it also includes some beforehand that were from New Orleans. When I committed myself in the diocese to this task soon after my arrival, my first concern was and has been for the persons victimized by this abuse who have often felt betrayed and unsupported by the church. It's to come in here. It's really appreciated Bishop Duca's consistently saying that that's primary objective here is for healing of those and, and validation of those who have been abused and their families desire to be upfront about that reality and, uh, and to encourage anyone else to come forward. It's been my hope that this will be an important step that will help those men and women whose lives have been so deeply violated. I have also hoped that this will give a sense of the scope of the allegations in this diocese. My prayer is that this list will be a sign of a new level of transparency and openness in the way we respond to allegations of abuse and care for the victims. Some have asked why we must do this. As I said in my Sunday letter, the fact that this wound will not heal tells us that we must continue to bring everything into the light. This is not easy. I've listened to some victims share their stories, and there are no words to express the depth of sadness and shame that was experienced in our church and as part of our diocesan history. It is hard to lay this out for all to see, but real renewal and healing cannot take place until we acknowledge the truth of our past. This list reflects the lives of real people and a path of pain and suffering that affects most deeply the persons who are victims of abuse, but also the friends and family that journey with them 
and the innocent family members of the priest who are accused. Each name represents a unique case. Some had only one victim, and others' abuse gouged a wide path of pain in the lives of many victims. I know that there may be some names that are a surprise and some revelations will cause pain in extended families and friends. I deeply regret this. It is my hope that all those friends and family affected by this list will be treated with the respect they deserve. In the process of creating this list of names, I have heard from some and even felt this myself in the beginning, that once this is done, we can move beyond crisis mode and get back to normal. But I have come to see quite clearly that in this thinking, there is already a return to an old standard to once again sweep it under the carpet. This list is not the end, but an attempt to open the door on child sexual abuse that none of us want to open. In every case of abuse on this list, I'm sure that the victim was told, don't tell anyone. They heard this from the abuser, but also from the church, sometimes overtly. Okay, we will take care of Father, and you just keep this a secret. Or they felt an unspoken, institutionally expressed rule of the church that you're just not supposed to talk about these things. Unfortunately, to keep the status quo, the victims of abuse must bear the pain for others' peace of mind and must do this alone. My hope is that this list is a concrete sign that we want to talk about this. Hopefully a victim of abuse will see a name on this list and say, that's me, and this will give them the courage to go to a trusted friend, counselor, family member, or come talk to me and share their story and no longer bear the pain alone. We must be willing to share the pain, admit our part in this tragedy so that we can help ease their burden and be for the victims of sexual abuse a support and not a barrier on the path to healing. So this list is not the final piece of dealing with this, but rather I see it as a beginning step and a foundational change in our church's way of acting that will renew all the programs we have in place to protect our children, the focus on healing of the victims of abuse rather than protection of the status quo. It's been a gift, I believe, in the way Bishop Duca coming, just, just coming into our diocese and taking this on head, head on, inviting outside people to come in and to look at the files, again, to lay everything bare, be completely transparent with that reality, and that's part of the list is being put forth there. And as well, his great focus and desire for healing, particularly of the victims and their families. And so I just want to encourage if, if you or anyone you know has been affected, whether it's in the church or not, but especially in the church, to come forward to come forward first by calling the appropriate civil authorities and then contacting our victim's abuse assistance coordinator, Ms. Amy Cordon, who is a, an amazing woman. And the church just wants to do what we can to, to offer healing and help in this situation. It's why, you know, why, again, why are we doing this? Because the... The, the truth is, right, the truth needs to come out. 
Real healing cannot happen unless you expose the wound, whether that's a physical wound, a mental wound, emotional wound, a spiritual wound. So the, it's the reality of exposing the wound to the light so that the mercy of God can come in and bring healing and grace, especially, again, by those who have been perpetrated, but also the family and also the entire church, right? Um, if you're looking for more information, this is just a piece of it. You can go on the diocesan website and read uh, the entirety of the press conference. You can see the list. It was in the Advocate, other places, but it's on the diocesan website as well. On the diocesan website, there are frequently asked questions and answers that are present. Maybe some questions that you may have, they're there. The current policies and procedures are also on the website for, for you to see. I encourage you to go and to look at that. People, people have asked me, you know, a question that people have asked me, like, okay, Father, like, what's different? Is, is, is anything different happening? Um, and, and certainly, as I mentioned in the past, progress has been made and continual progress needs, needs to be made. Certainly in the last um, no, number of years, right, that the, the evaluation process pre-seminary and during seminary is much more robust than it was before. Um, I know that personally because I'm, I'm part of that process now, and it's why I get a, a number of questions about that as well. And, and I offer this next, this next comment about the list not as an excuse because um, there are no excuses for one instance. Zero. This is, this is horrible, right? One instance is an absolute tragedy. Um, and especially any time of trying to sweep it under the rug is, is significantly worse. Um, but I offer this as a question to people asking me, like, what's, what, is anything different? Has anything changed? And if you, if you look at the list at least currently known, right, uh, this, this we know is going to encourage victims who haven't come forward to come forward, and blessed be God for that, so that it can come to the light and we can deal with the reality and, and bring healing and justice where it needs to be brought. But, but if you look at the list of the diocesan priest of all the credible claims that have come forward, they've either been from the 1980s or earlier, so there hasn't been an instance um, in the 90s or since then. Uh, but again, that's, that's what's currently known. That's what's currently there. So don't offer this at all, at all, like as an excuse or any of that. But just to say, the people have asked me, has, has progress been made? Certainly. Um, does more need to be made? Absolutely. There is an instance in 2002 of a religious priest who, it doesn't say though, the, the the information whether that was in our diocese or not. Um, yeah. What's next, right? Will we continuing to look at the what's called the Dallas Charter and the, the processes that we have in place when an allegation comes forward and, and perfecting that? Uh, a loophole that has come up, I guess, in a sense, is that there, while with the priest, the processes are really, really clear, and there's a, like no exceptions um, policy in the sense like once something happens, boom, like all these things go in place and the guys are moved and all these things. 
but there needs to be more accountability on the level of the bishops, making sure that the policies that are in place in every diocese are, are being done, uh, that they're being handled the, the way that they should, either through negligence or willful, um, and that if something comes up against, against a bishop, that there's more accountability as there too. Like that is something that needs to be happening um, and, and to change in that regard. Certainly, um, again, looking at and, and, and implementing the reality of the processes that are there and holding those, being more vigilant in that regard. Um, I want to read a passage of Scripture that has come to mind for me as we're dealing with this reality. Um, this is from the first letter of St. John, the first chapter. It says, Now this message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we continue to walk in darkness, we lie and do not act in truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his Son, Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we acknowledge our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from every wrongdoing. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And part of the reality of this process is the recognition of the sin of priests and bishops. Serious sin. Crime. You know, I've had the opportunity to speak to some people who have been abused. To unimaginable uh, suffering that I don't know. So on, on behalf of the church, um, I'm sorry, particularly to any victims, particularly to any of their family members, very sorry. It should never happen never happen by anyone to anyone, most especially not by someone trusted to be a spiritual leader. It's definitely more egregious in that case. And especially when in the times that has been tried to kept quiet. Sorry for the rest of you, right? Um, not an exciting time to be Catholic, that you have to deal with this. Uh, sorry for that. You have no part to play in it, dealing with the, the reality of it. Ask, though, for your continued prayers and vigilance, right? And, and, um, and also confidence. The Scripture says that the light of Christ, right, has, has shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
as part of this passage as well. The light of Christ is shown in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There is nothing, there is nothing, there is no darkness that the power and the light of Christ cannot heal and transform. Nothing. And so we, we entrust all of this, and again, especially the victims, especially their families, to Christ, to his, the fullness of his light, fullness of his mercy, and our entire church as well, for healing, transformation, and, and authentic renewal. Also want to say a, a little bit of a word to uh, any young men, I mentioned this before, but I repeat it again, who may be feeling a tug at some level of the priesthood on their heart. Um, I'm sure right now it's probably like, yeah, uh, no, all right, <laughs> I'm running in the other direction. Um, be not afraid. Be not afraid to respond to the call that the Lord has laid on your heart. The, the priesthood is a gift, not for perfect people, but a great gift. Great gift and a great joy. And now more than ever, we need good, healthy men to say yes, to live the call that the Lord has placed on their hearts and created them for. The, the church needs you. Um, so be not afraid. The Lord provides every single grace and despite the difficulties that come or whatever it may be, I absolutely love being a priest. It's a beautiful gift. Amazing, amazing gift of the Lord. You know, we offer my sincere apologies, which I understand do not do very much um, for the victims, families, and, and to you as a church, and, and pray and encourage anyone who has been affected to please come forward. We, we go forward confidence in the mercy and the power of Christ. The blood and water that came forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy is for us. So let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, we offer... We offer the entire church to you for renewal and healing. We pray especially for the victims of abuse by the clergy. Heal them, Lord. Even miraculously heal them. Pray for protection and constant renewal moving forward in the transformation of your church. We entrust our prayers to you through the intercession of St. Joseph and the Immaculate Heart of Mary and ask them in your most holy name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.